Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. There's more than one recording of Nina Simone singing Mississippi Goddamn. There's one, there's two in particular that I like, one in 1964 and one in 1968. The song came out in 1964. I think she's performing it at Carnegie Hall. And she has such pep and such energy. And if you've never heard the song, You Must Be White, and (laughs) you must be white, but she's performing with such pep and such energy because it's clever. And she's in 1964, and she doesn't know that 65, 66, 67, and 68 are coming, right? Alabama's got me so upset Tennessee made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi Hi, I'm Eric And I am Brittany And we are for Colored Nerds Yes, conversations that black people have, white people are not in the room Yes, yes, today, today, we're going to be talking about Nina Simone Nina Simone Nina Simone as you probably have already <laughs> been able to surmise. I actually just recently saw, you had seen it before, mm-hmm. but the Netflix documentary, uh, What Happened, Miss Simone. Yes. Excellent documentary. Oh, God, if you haven't seen it, I would I would see it immediately. I mean, immediately after listening to the show. <laughs> I'd be like, finish this first, but then yeah. go watch What Happened, Miss Simone. But no, it was an excellent documentary. Really did a, a deep... Well, uh, as deep as you can go in two hours, did a pretty deep dive into her, her life, uh, her struggles. And yeah, I mean, I definitely learned a lot. And it was, it was also interesting to put, like I, we actually also read this article. Yes. Um, the mini battles of Nina Simone. Yeah. This was from the New Yorker, I think last year. Yeah. Well, it'll be in the notes. It'll be in Ob- the- You'll know. Mm-hmm. You'll read it. You'll read it. But it's always interesting seeing these things in context, like, you know, with the archival footage, mm-hmm. like with a lot of the. Um, the other the other clips that they pulled together, mm-hmm. the interviews, like hearing and seeing something, um, I think just allows your mind to really like process the depth of things. Yeah, sometimes. it connects like, all the dots for you. Yeah, yeah. Whereas reading it, like while it's still interesting, it can still affect you. Sometimes you just sometimes there's a distance there. Yeah. Think, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That I think the the documentary did an, an amazing job of um, of building on. No, but we wanted, we both wanted to talk about Nina Simone. I mean, we've talked about her before in the show. Mm-hmm. We have talked about her before in the show. And I think her impact is something that, uh, you know, her legacy mm-hmm. is something that really can't be matched and it hasn't really been. No. Like. No, it hasn't. I can't think of a, I can't think of a single person. I can't. And that's interesting because even like during her time, she was like, she's always just been this unique. Mm hmm. Like figure, you mm-hmm. know, like 
no one was really singing how she sang. No. Um, even her subject matter was was amazingly, you know, unique and like distinctive, you know, almost to her detriment. Yeah. Or but not I mean, almost. Yeah, almost definitely to her detriment in a lot of ways. But also, too, like when you talk about her being unmatched, now the whole talk about, um, you know, reopening the conversation about protest music because we're obviously in a, not even just protest music, but music of resistance and music of struggle. We're at yeah. a point where we need it again. And we have had some, you know, some one offs, but there hasn't been one person who has been. Super talented, but also wildly popular and and super well known. Um, who is also consistently recording and speaking out about these issues, and you know, giving it straight to the people. So yeah, it's um it's interesting that you know, in many other ways and in many other I guess touch points of the movement or whatever, you can draw clear comparisons between certain people. Mm-hmm. You know, Nina Simone is coming back up now because there is nobody who there's nobody who you can. You know what I mean? There's nobody. Yeah. There's nobody kind of taking up that mantle. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's really unparalleled. <laughs> like, yeah. it's crazy to to the degree. You know. Yeah. And like, it, I, honestly, I was thinking back. Like, she's been such a consistent presence. Like in my life. Like, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. we're both big music nerds. Yeah. Um. You know, and I've I've always been really interested in jazz, and that's actually I I came to her music through her jazz music. The first CD I ever got from my sister was a hand-me-down from my sister because mm-hmm. she didn't really want it. <laughs> uh, but it was Jazz Masters. It was, uh, you know, Verve. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I remember. The Verve Jazz Master series, like volume 20, I think. And it had Love Me or Leave Me on it. Such a that's She has such a good version of that. And it's like, this is just like really like amazingly like brisk like it's just peppy mm-hmm. you know she's just moving through bouncing over all these notes and then it has this like ridiculously long <laughs> like <laughs> piano solo uh-huh. and her talent across the board when mm-hmm. it comes to jazz was like really really insane mm-hmm. like no matter your mood you can come to a nina simone simone track and like there's a perfect track for that yeah you know, mm-hmm. like you're happy, you're yeah. sad, melancholy, in love, heartbroken. Yeah, turned up, turned up, <laughs> angry, yeah, ready, ready, pissed off. Yeah, but there's, there is something there for you, and she has something there for you, and it's yeah. always extremely comforting, no matter what it is. It's just interesting to think back to that. Like she really has always been a presence, and and I never really took the time to dive deeper than the music. Yeah, no, actually, same. I, I, I um. I, you know, she was around when I was growing up, but she wasn't, um, if I'm perfectly honest, we were a super deep Motown home when I was growing up. But so so she was around, her music was present. I definitely had access to it. We listened to it. But I really got into Nina Simone when I was, you know, when when I started, when I really started going to Howard and at every single, because, you know, when you first start going to black college, there's like a talent show every six hours. (laughs) It's, I mean, have my fucking life. And every single talent show would be, you know, four girls from the quad, four girls from the, no, Annex would never deign themselves to do this. But four girls from the quad, maybe Cook Hall, who had gotten themselves together to put on some, you know, unitards and dance to four women. Interesting enough, I don't know if it was my freshman year or maybe it was when you were there, uh-huh. but in the fashion show, the intro was two four women. I don't remember. I'm going to be honest with the you. The homecoming fashion show. I was going to be honest with you. I've, like, never been to... You never went to the fashion show? I've never been to, like, any homecoming event. I've been to, like, some... Wow. I haven't been... I haven't been homecoming since, honestly, the first... The year after you, the year after you graduated. So, 2008, Damn. I went to homecoming. That's deep. Huh? And I... Yeah. 
This shit was expensive. So it I was, was just, expensive. You know what I'm saying? And folks was real thirsty for the tickets. Right. So you had to get up in the morning. <laughs> First of all, I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't going to fucking class. So I yeah. wasn't about to get up and go spend some money to go to some event with the same black folks I was sitting with <laughs> the rest of the time. Like, I but in thirsty. better clothes. But in better clothes. Exactly. <laughs> But, yeah, no, but, but yeah, either. no, so the four women was always like omnipresent. But um, what really struck me about her when I was that age was reading a little bit into like the ph- philosophy behind the way that she thought about herself as an artist, where she talked about like, my music is not jazz music. My music mm. is black classical music. Yeah. And I was just like, shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was already in this really impressionable position, having just um, left Mayberry. <laughs> and then yeah, right, moved to Washington, D.C. Yeah. 10 years ago and, you know, attending this black school. And, you know, I was reaching a, 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 a new and higher level of consciousness. But I was also, you know, I was a kid, so it was like a confusing time. But to have this black woman, obviously black woman, yeah. who, uh, you know, I was really starting to understand her legacy and just how popular she was back in the day. Um, to be like, I don't make jazz music. I make black classical music. I was like, well, goddamn. That is the correct way to think about it. It really is. Yeah, like the way that she was so self-possessed really affected me at that specific age and the way that I thought about myself and the way that I felt that I was allowed to think about myself. So that a lot of my connection to Nina Simone is like um, she just had this, I don't even want to call it defiant attitude because that, I think that gives too much credit to whoever is trying to hold her back. But Mm. she just was super... Like, she was this very is who real. I am. She yeah, was, she was fucking real as hell. She was hell. very human in the sense of like she was she was extremely confident, but she also she wasn't ex- she wasn't afraid to express vulnerability. Like mm-hmm. you know, there were times she was like, "I'm tired," like I'm, yeah. like and not I'm tired, like I'm tired, like I'm exhausted, I'm borderline depressed. Like yeah. you know, she was just like she was what she was, and she was not afraid to tell you what she was. Yeah. Uh, at any given moment. <laughs> that was one of the coolest parts of the documentary was yeah. that, you know, um, that her husband, had, her ex-husband, I think he ended up being, had given yeah. uh, the... She divorced him. Yeah, she divorced him. We're going to get into that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but had given uh, the, the whoever it was that worked on it access to, I think, or maybe... Maybe it wasn't the people who worked on the documentary, but he gave somebody, the public, let's say, access to her, you know, private diaries and letters. Mm-hmm. And seeing... The way that she thought about the way that she just the way that she expressed herself written was so human and it was yeah. so regular. It's also to, pretty bare. Yeah. Like. Yeah. She just I mean, it was it was very it, it makes sense. Obviously, those are her like mostly her jo- her journals. Yeah. But she just was very open about despair. Yeah. Which was. Which was deep to like really read that. Like, you know, I think she talked one time about a conversation that she had. She didn't really know how to come back to. She had talked to, I think Andrew Stroud is her. Yeah, is her, her husband. husband yeah. She had talked to, she called him Andy. Um, they talked about her committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, well, you know, if you did, you know, I would, I would be okay. Yeah. 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 And it's like him. to have that. Like to have that to see her uh, like we talk about despair to see her as this person who is this public figure who's so it's still very human like you said but also very like she seems so strong and she seems like yeah. indestructible in a lot of ways to then have this this whole not just like private life that that 
that people experienced or like this inner life that we're guessing at, but to see her fully aware of all of her emotions and then like fully aware of like their documentation is really interesting. Like if you think about her music Mm -hmm. even, and it speaks to the degree of her genius. Yeah. She had to be able to, and she was able to tap into so many different facets and nuances of emotion, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, like for the the amazing thing about her is that that wasn't just musically. Like she really got it. She got how she was feeling yeah. at every particular moment. Yeah, which was how she was able to put that into her song. And she just also happened to translate that into her journals. Yeah, in the way she talked about herself. And that was like you said, that was really really interesting to, to see someone be that in tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with themselves and how they were feeling. She knew she was feeling. All of the time. Even yeah. if she was going the fuck through it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She knew how she was feeling all of the time. It's like she never, you know, for all of the talk, and, you know, we're obviously going to get into this, but all, this, all the talk about her being um, temperamental, mm. you know, she never, when you think about someone being temperamental, you think about them being severely out of touch yeah. at a lot of points. She never fully lost touch with where she was. Even if she was in the eye of the storm, she never really fully lost touch with, like, her reality, if that makes any sense. Like, she was fully, she was, like, and on some level, she was always fully present. Yeah. Um, and that was something that carried into every area of, of her, like, creative life, which was very, very cool. It's clear that that kind of started at an early age. Mm. Her Like, her genius and her aptitude at piano, you know, mm-hmm. at music, rather, was discovered at a very early age and seen as something that kind of needs to be cultivated, mm-hmm. right? So I think she... She always recognized that, like, she was who she was, but she also had this this thing. Yeah. You know, and she was kind of beholden to see where this thing goes. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she obviously wanted that in the beginning. Yeah. But towards, you know, towards the, the middle. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, obviously the end, you know, she she very much realized that her existence and, like, her happiness, you know, was like tied almost to an uncomfortable degree Mm -hmm. to this talent. Yeah. And I think that gets at what you were saying, like her being cognizant of her reality. Yeah. You know, even, you know, they say she was, like you said, they say she was temperamental or sometimes people describe it as like talking to two different people or she would just flip, you know, if, if things weren't right. But I think that also speaks to the fact that, you know, she knows what she has. She knew what she had to do. Yeah. To be able to produce yeah. what she needed. Yeah. I mean, shit, you know that before we even record this little shit right here, we have to sit down and we have to talk about things, just whatever, for a little while and then, you know, sit down and then do the show. Yeah. So, like, I can only imagine if you're producing regularly, you know, not just for your life's work, but also for just, like, you know, thousands, millions of people around the world who, like, use your music to subsist. Um, and, you're, and, you're, and you're making th- not just things that are of super high quality but also are that are so like you say expressive and also so um so necessary and so like in tune with what's happening in the world if you're creating something at that level and at that volume and for that like large of a mass audience like you have to i can only imagine the things that you feel that you need to do to be able to be in the space to create on a regular basis yeah and with such like you said like with such a like internal mandate yeah you know what i'm saying like she she really like especially towards you know once she she kind of began making protest music where even I think to a degree before actually from the beginning, because she wanted to be like, 
you know, she had these aspirations to mm-hmm. be the first black classical pianist. Yeah. That's not a small goal. No, it, especially not for some little black girl from the South in like, you yeah. know, the early 1900s. Yeah, like, like, you know, that's a huge mandate. Like, yeah. that's a huge thing to say that, like, not only is this what I want, this is what I feel compelled to do. Yeah. And this is what I refuse to not attain, mm. you know, and obviously her goal changed, you know, as her circumstances changed. But. She still like it didn't necessarily get any less lofty. No, <laughs> no. So yeah, so you have these like this complex set of things, this 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 talent that you have to tap into that isn't scientific. Yeah, you know, you need you need some specific shit to do it. You really do need <laughs> some specific shit to do it. You do, and you know, you and it's difficult, I imagine, to work with other people and to have to like you're you're taking this thing out of yourself and you're trying to give it to other people to then turn into something yeah and that's not always an easy process you know like she was very in tune with herself and translating her own thoughts and emotions but giving that to someone else to play i imagine it doesn't always come out right because there's just things that are lost Lost in translation translation. Mm -hmm. so yeah so i mean it made it it makes a lot of sense considering the degree of her like genius Mm -hmm. you know Shit would be a little complicated. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is actually uh, the same week that I saw, I happened to watch this the first time. I, the same week that I saw it, I also happened, because you know I don't go to the movies, so I don't know how my black ass ended up in the theater. But I saw Amy, the Amy Winehouse documentary. Mm. And we talk about, like, you know, being temperamental or whatever or needing certain things to create. It was very interesting to watch um, to watch those two things in the same week. I didn't. First of all, I didn't realize Amy Winehouse. If I'd say if you haven't seen it, I, should, I, I would say go it. see it. It's, it's pretty it. good. Um, but I didn't realize that she was as talented as she is, and and I would not put her at like Nina Simone level. But she was definitely prodigious, yeah. and she was more talented than most people that I see make anything. Yeah. And um, it was interesting, like when you talk about um, like the compulsion to make something at a certain level and to reach, you know, to communicate a specific thing. It was like it's almost like you have this. It's almost like a beast. That yeah. you have inside of you that you have. It's like you have to feed it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's like, it's like you know, depending on what you feed it and how you feed it, the output can always be good. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Amy Whitehouse is able to put out a lot of brilliant music at a very yeah. young age. And, uh, and you know, same with Nina Simone. You know, the outcome will be good. But what happens to you? You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like this. Ooh. So much of it is so much of it seems even I'm sure it feel I'm sure it felt out of control for both yeah. of them. But it's even seems I can see how you feel like you have to you um are subsumed by this thing. Yeah, it, it clearly like warped her. Yeah. There was a point in the in the documentary where her daughter, I think Lisa. Yeah. Um her daughter was communicating the fact that after after Mississippi Goddamn, after like after she wrote and performed it for the first time, mm-hmm. she said her voice broke. Yeah. I don't doubt that no, she knows, you know, the difference in the like the abilities of her own voice. And to she said the only thing that kind of subsisted her was, again, this like this idea that I'm doing what I have to do. She said, yeah. I think something like the movement carried me yeah. through. But to recognize that, like, the weight of all of these things yeah. is changing me. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. 
That's heavy. Yeah, and, yeah, and you actually make a really good point because it's not even just like when Amy Winehouse, she had like it was just the, the sheer talent and the sheer need to make something. But also like Nina had this extra thing. Obviously, she's a black woman, which is his own set of shit. Yeah. But additionally, that time, like uh, something I read some article. I have to go back and find it. I'll, if I find it, I'll put it in the notes. I don't remember where it was, but I'll find it. <laughs> um, but it was about how the movement ki- like killed people back then. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Not just like, and you know, bang, bang, you're dead. Yeah. We're white. We shot you. But like it, it broke. Like, you know, you see the way that, that being compelled to serve at that level, there was not an emphasis back then on taking care of yourself. Also, yeah. cause you didn't know, you know what I'm yeah. saying? We were just talking about before we recorded. When you signed up for, when you signed up for the movement, you don't realize this shit going to be, it don't stop. It don't ever stop. It, it's a lot of times it just doesn't even ever feel like it gets better. But yeah, you don't realize that you signed up for a lifelong jig and like even just participating artistically yeah. at that level at that time. Like that shit. Obviously, a lot of shit was gonna break up her family anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, but like that's that you know people's families couldn't stay together. They talk about that, yeah. and the, they talk about that in the documentary. You can't. It wasn't just you. It takes you. It takes your your children. It takes your spouses. It takes your partners. It like you, you say it warps your life. Yeah. So to have not just the talent, but to also have like, like I said being called to serve at that level, like. It's a miracle that she says she honestly that she came out through. It, yeah. You know? As and, and lived as long as she did. In general, she really struggled with self-care. Yeah. Like yeah. that was something that was really. That clear. is the understatement of the week. Yes. Yeah. Like it was she was she discussed like the running theme pretty early on till the end was how tired she was. Yeah. And, you know, before she even got to. The weight of the movement, mm-hmm. uh, civil rights movement, she discussed just being tired from the pace. Like it was clear that that her husband saw something what he want what he wanted her to be, yeah, what he thought she could be, and refused to allow anything less than that. And at the time, you know, she was so in love with him, mm-hmm. and and I imagine also in love with her career and what she was producing. Yeah, that she. She didn't feel empowered to be able to stop and say, hey, yeah, I just need to, you know, I just need some time. I just yeah. need to take some me time. And it's clear that that manifested itself in several extremely harmful ways later on in her life. Mm-hmm. Having been able to take a break, who knows what she was really, what she was capable of. Yeah. You know, like... And the crazy thing is not like she didn't accomplish a shit ton. Oh, yeah. But, you know, her... Her abilities, like her, her essence and her creative peak, might have gone, yeah, so much further, yeah, like with, with, and without destroying her, yeah, with, yeah, with you know self care, and it's, it's interesting in context to the people around her, her, you know, her colleagues in terms of uh, musicians and like the yeah. other people she knew, yeah, it's interesting, I, I think with stories like this, and there are many, this type of narrative. Yeah. Isn't brand new. People don't talk about how complicit those people around are in not saying, hey, sit your black ass down. Yeah. You need something. (laughs) Yeah. You you need some help in some sort of way. That's something that that's that's interesting. It's disappointing to not see people kind of take or even express some sort of regret at not being more proactive. Yeah. To to like step in and help. Like, you know, these are her friends. Mm -hmm. And um 
And I think that's obviously that's it's probably complicated because you're making money, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. based off of your friend's output. Yeah. But, you know, at what point at what point do you say, like, oh, this person like really needs me? Yeah. But then also you wonder, like, you know, were any of these people taking care of themselves? Do you know what I'm saying? Good point. Yeah. Like when also like not just like the people who are directly around her, but like her contemporaries and yeah. stuff like that. Like. What's my girl? Well, you know, Lorraine Hansberry, I, I wish I could remember the exact quote, but it's something to the tune of like, you know, what makes you, what makes you, if anything, you know, what makes you special, if anything at all, must well, must also make you very lonely. Mm. Um, and she kind of struggled with a lot of the same types of things. I think that she was around a lot of people who were, I mean, if you really think about how young a lot of these people were, yeah. this is, you know what I mean? Lorraine like, Hansberry was like 29, 28. Yeah, exactly. When, when she popped off, I mean. And there was a huge pot. Like, Raising the yeah. Sun had been big for a, for a while. Like, that was a massive. <laughs> it, this wasn't like a club single. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, we say popped off. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, especially to be a, not just a young person, but like a young black woman in the 50s fucking doing, doing the goddamn thing. Yeah. Like, that's, um, you know, and, and, you know, you think about James Baldwin, Langston Hughes. Even, I wonder, too, like, I think that, I think that maybe they were like the first – I hate this term because I think it's so bougie and weird, but creative class. I, I, I think that, I, you know, they're one of the earliest black creative classes to actually have some of the tools and some of the wealth and some of the notoriety mm. that might allow them to be able to take care of themselves. Yeah. But if you think about when they grew up, these people grew up in late, I mean, uh, some cases, late 1800s, early 1900s, you know, 1910s, 20s, 30s. And yeah. you think about the emotional... And, like, sometimes physical and just real-life trauma that comes yeah. with, you know, growing up black. They probably didn't, you know, you you, you get, you probably don't even have the t- the tools. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? You don't have, you, you're like, I'm, I'm not getting shot at. So, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not, yeah, upgrade. Exactly. Like, I'm not worried about lynch mob, you know, on, on Tuesday night. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, you, it's like uh, when you talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. I, I know I always mispronounce that word. I don't care. But... We talk about that, like you, you know, you can't even get to the point where you're going to take care of yourself because you're just happy that you can secure your physical space, yeah. And you can secure your person and pay for yourself and pay for the people around you. No, that's a great point. And I imagine you also probably felt a high degree of responsibility not to stop. Yeah, because you know? yeah, yeah. What other black people were doing? This? You know exactly. what I'm saying? Like, like there, there were very few times where a black person, the the only thing that would necessarily stop them would be them. Yeah. You know, so to to be in that position and then choose to say, mm, I'm going to take a step back. Yeah. You don't know if you don't know if that's it. Yeah, exactly. So that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I didn't consider it. I mean, it's just, you know, it just came to me now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that that's sort of um, like you can't even you can't even think to, to taking care of yourself doesn't even seem like an option. If you, you know, if uh, or maybe it doesn't. Yeah, maybe it doesn't even seem like an option. You feel like. Like I said, you just feel like I'm I'm safe and the people around me are safe and I can do the things that I want to do with my time and my money. I'm good. Yeah. You know? It was just it's really difficult to think back to that and see and see an existence in its entirety and like how that's hard. You know, yeah. that it was hard for her for a long time. Yeah, I was gonna say the whole pretty much the whole Every, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just tough. But and it's clear, it, you know, eventually led to her really, or you know, it, it's actually no telling how long she was struggling with. But you know, eventually the, this, these things manifested itself in, into uh, bipolar disorder. She yeah, was, she was announced as being manic, which in 
you know, at the end, they don't actually communicate this. <laughs> it's like two thirds away through. The yeah, movie. two thirds away through the movie. You know, I like I knew of it because obviously I read this article. You know, around the time and recently I've done a little more research. Mm-hmm. But that puts so many things into context. That puts so many of her struggles into context. Mm-hmm. And again, it makes me think back to like self care, and uh, now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, now I think it's important that we take um, we take stories like this and, you know, the takeaway being I have to take care of myself because these things can manifest themselves mm-hmm. in pretty difficult ways from a mental health perspective. Like we have to push each other to take care. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, that's just really, really important uh, regardless of aptitude yes regardless of aptitude regardless of what you feel your responsibility is yeah um i don't know i just feel like that needed to be said no i mean no no, i i i 100 agree especially now you know what i mean yeah i mean actually there's surprisingly surprisingly frequent conversations of black female genius yeah you know like yeah. if you think about beyonce actually probably more so like serena yes like, yes, yes you know yes, like yes, yes. I, obviously, I don't know Serena's situation, but, you know, they talk about, you know, she's talked about the difficulty of being who she is yeah. and that constant attack. But I just think it's it's interesting in talking about, like, aptitude, recognizing aptitude. Yeah, recognizing greatness in black women. Yeah, and, like, you know, how much people want to push. Yeah. And, you know, in light of that, uh, I think it's important that we also say, like, hey, you also got to, like, you're a person, you're a human being. Yeah. You got to take care of yourself. Well, you talk about Lauren Hill. I'm looking at I'm looking at the notes and you yeah. mentioned Lauren Hill. You know, Afropunk was just, was it last weekend? Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's when I got the flu. But <laughs> I, I didn't go on Saturday when she performed because I'm going to be honest because I, it's hard for me to want to see her now mm-hmm. just because. I, I can't even I can't even have I don't even have the words. It's like you love somebody's work so much, but you also know that like they're they're possibly there's a I don't like you said about Serena. I don't know Lauren Hill's situation, but there's a possibility that this person is less of who they were mm. possibly meant to be because they gave you this thing yeah. and because people keep requesting that she do this thing that she was doing 18 years ago. And it's like. It's a, it's a, it's hard for me to sit there and watch it yeah. because I know that I'm going to be disappointed, and she doesn't seem really okay. Okay, she seems like she's definitely like struggling yeah. with something. Yeah, because I mean, at first I think everybody thought like, okay, Lauren going through something because she was young when that shit. Really young. I didn't realize how young she was. Like 23, 24. Yeah. You know, and um, and not just to be creating all this stuff, but to becoming a mother for the first time, yeah. which is something she did over and over and over and over yeah. and over again. But like to be to be uh, almost similar similar to Nina yeah. to be this dark skinned black woman in America and go from being you know one of the Fujis, as Nina Simone was, yeah. but to go from being one of the Fujis to then being like. You know, she was considered for a role in, in Charlie's Angels movie to becoming like America's sweetheart yeah. in a way. Do you know what I'm saying? Or America's like one of, one of America's most treasured talents, which is a, a difficult like a spot that uh, that often goes to black women in many ways, but begrudgingly so. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So to go from to being one of the Fugees and being basically like a late teen and then to becoming like one of America's most treasured talents where all of a sudden like 
uh, it was kind of like, fuck you to like, oh, you made us this one thing. You're okay now. Yeah. It's obvious not only that was it super popular, but she, it was obvious that she was a genius. And, you know, and it was critically acclaimed at every level. And it was, you know, like every, you know, so well loved that people still, you know, you can play, you can play any song from that album. The shit sounds like, still, still sounds like this shit came out yesterday. And, um, yeah, to, to, to then to be processing that and to be so young, like, I'm sure that would break anybody. Yeah. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable Internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Life is a highway. And on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. And actually, I mean, it reminds me of a, I read a tweet. It basically said, like, Lauren Hill almost broke herself by giving us this perfect thing. Yeah. You know, she she made yeah. this perfect album. Yeah. And it literally, you know, it, it, it did break her. Yeah. And I think by, like, 2000, 2001, 2002, maybe, I think we all thought, okay, well, Lauren's going through a thing. She's probably almost she's 30. back. Yeah. Um, you know, right. But now it's like, okay, no, this is, this is who she's been now for the better part of her adult life and yeah. for being in public eye. And it is not for nothing you know what i'm saying that she made this she made this album and like ever since then it's like the shit ain't been all the way yeah back and even the type of music that she makes now like she she not i don't want to say that she can't mm-hmm. but she won't go back to producing a style of music yeah you know that yeah that is easily digestible for other people and yeah. i don't think that's what she set out to do i think she just was making what she wanted to make it turned out that it was this thing that everybody loved and it's like almost like she's resistant like you yeah. say to do something like that again it's almost like she's she's I don't it's like you could look at it a couple ways like in one way she could be stifling herself to keep to she could be stifling herself to um to almost like you know to keep uh to keep from like becoming that popular again or to keep a, like maybe she feels like we don't deserve it I don't know but she also could be like you know not um. Yeah, just almost being selfish, which in her case, I don't. I don't think that's a bad thing. I huh. think it's fine. 
Yeah, because she's a gift. She's a human. She's a person. She, yeah. Her her responsibility is first and foremost to, to herself. herself. Exactly, exactly. So I don't think that that's crazy. But like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know? All right. So I think we need to come back to her relationship where yeah. <laughs> her husband. This motherfucker. Yeah. there. It was like, I think I, I mentioned this to you before. It was shocking how. Um, Cavalier? Yeah. He was ridiculously open, chill, and, and like calm Cooling. about his like clear and ridiculously violent, mm-hmm. you know, and an extreme abuse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was like he. I mean, like even just the the. the I'm sure. I'm sure. Like they detailed several accounts. In the in the documentary that were referenced in her personal diaries, I'm sure those were not the only instances. Oh no! And the ones that and those were only the ones that made the page of her diary. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? So like he was unrepentant and beating her ass on a regular basis to a fucking pulp. And in front of their kid, yeah, like, in front of their child, like the, that. It was it, that was chilling. Yeah, like I, I remember uh, I was I was watching with Carla and it was like we just both looked at each other like it the. It made you feel extremely uncomfortable yeah. to to hear someone talk in that manner about yeah. that, like with no, like no clear remorse. Yeah, but I mean, like that's like I mean that's also like it was it was it's an abuser. That's an abuser thing. Yeah. Um. But also like that's seeing the way that that kind of played out, like the abuse and that relationship played out in her life, but then also within their family dynamic. Yeah. Seeing. Lisa, their daughter, talk about how abusive her mother was and how she could, you know, she's like, and I can, it's, it, it just, it, it put you in such a crazy position, as I'm sure abuse does in real life, where you see that this person, Andrew Stroud, was like the source of everybody's fucking, yeah. tr- he was, he was the linchpin, yeah. right? And so he's beating Nina and, and basically almost killing her all of the time. And she, you know, because of the way like abuse manifests itself yeah. yeah in cycles it's like you know she was abusing their daughter but then he's not abusing their daughter so she be- like he became for lisa a safer bet as far yeah. as the parent to spend most of her time with it was just like fuck and you kind of also see her and i'm sure i can't imagine the mental gymnastics that she has to go through to compartment compartmentalize the she fact seemed that, very okay yeah she seemed very okay and she's a performer herself she uh She's been on Broadway a few different times and she's made music and done a few different things. But just to be like this person who's very okay, like a very okay full adult who can process the fact that her mother was this like, you know, just like had un- possessed uncontrollable genius and was such a huge and awesome and great person in so many ways, but also was her, you know, her abuser. And then also was, you know, this person who's taking care of her in the day-to-day sense yeah. is the person who's killing her mother and probably helping to turn her mother into the monster that she experienced um, was like, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> that was, some, that was some shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I think it, it was amazing that how, how okay, you know, she seemed to be. Um, and I, I can't imagine like the power dynamic, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Nina Simone's talked a lot about being, about like desiring freedom, you know, mm-hmm. and so obviously, you know, she eventually was able to uh, to leave her husband, mm-hmm. and you know, she went to uh, she went to Liberia, and so I can't imagine yeah. like, you know, I can't imagine like having come through all of that, and then you get away, you know, the rush, 
like the rush of like you know being being away being free she talked about i only wore bikinis and boots yep yeah yeah <laughs> you know but then also the probably the rush of anger because now you have a chance to truly process process and sit mm-hmm. on everything that's happened to you uh that's got to be extremely difficult and i imagine that also warped her to a certain degree yeah. in terms of you know and then your daughter comes here who's who's you know even though this is your child it's also a product of this person yeah um, you know who was your abuser and your attacker for yeah. so long? Um, that's not a justification, but I, I get the like I get the yeah. cycle. You yeah. Know? yeah, it yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not a far leap. No, to not see a that, far <laughs> leap to see that that was that, that, that would was... happen. No, but coming back to this dude, um, this motherfucker, and it's the thing that you brought up that was a, it was a great point is that it's a common trope. You oh know, yes, to have. Oh, you were talking earlier. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, people are going to be like, when did, when yeah, when did you say that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. rewind. But, um, but no, Brittany was pointing out, you know, and I'll let her elaborate, but this trope of kind of a man being, uh, I guess, a shepherd, if you will, yeah. of female genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Shit, yeah. Well, that, that's something that even came up in the uh, something that repeatedly came up in the, even the Amy Winehouse documentary. Yeah, where like most of the conversations that were had about her talent happened with her father, her ex boyfriends, her producer, her manager. Like there were all of these people that were kind of like pulling the strings, especially it, it, which is weird because you see in the especially in her early career before she just like alcoholism just consumed her. Yeah. Um, you see that. She was very much like the captain of her own ship. Like mm-hmm. she knew what she wanted. She was very driven. She was very on it. Um, so then to kind of see once, you know, you you know, once people start to get them dollar signs, yeah. you know what I'm saying in their eyes. Um, yeah. Then to sort of see every single man in her life be like, and a couple of them had had true intentions. I would say there were maybe two. There was there were two that they were discussed a lot in, or maybe three that were discussed a lot in the actual movie. So it was like. Uh, DJ Slam Remy and and like well, I think Amy Winehouse's manager and like this other guy, but like everybody else was like, I got to get my motherfucking check. I need because yeah. it's like I either got to go on vacation, I got to pay for my house, I got to buy my drugs. Nina Simone has obviously had obviously you know with Andrew Stroud a very similar thing where like this motherfucker was a cop, okay. He he yeah. was a cop, like and a like sergeant detective, I think. Yeah, and um, which is again no small feat for a black man back yeah. then. Um, so for him to be a cop and be like, you know what, I'm gonna leave my position to manage you, and like like you said earlier, everything he said he was gonna do, he did it. Like yeah. they were up in Mount Vernon with staff, yeah. right? When we but <laughs> we were both sitting there like during the documentary when Lisa was talking about, oh, you know, no, you know, staff. I was like, oh shit, yeah, y'all was really doing it, yeah. Um, to even be able to refer, not not like, oh, you know. Everybody left plus our nanny. Yeah, no. Staff. Yeah. That's a plural. <laughs> yes, that's a that's multiple people. So many people you can't even name them all in the exactly. one sentence, right? <laughs> They're all working for y'all on the payroll, taking care of you and your shit in your house. So like the fact that like within a few years of being with Andrew, like that was the shit that Nina had. Like, you know, it's like even in Dream Girls. Do you know what I'm oh, saying? It's a it's a lot. Dream girls? Yep. Can we say uh hell, Serena? 
Beyonce? Yeah. Uh, Bessie? Yeah. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Janet? Yep, yep. Like, yep. And even, like I said, I mentioned earlier, in the TLC movie, I don't really know if Left Eye really had a controlling boyfriend that was trying to get... We don't know for sure if that was actual yeah. fact or just, you know, just as fake as the wig they put on that woman who played Pebbles. We don't know. <laughs> but we do know that, that the fact that, like, that trope is common enough that, like, it was an easy plug into the script. Do you know what I'm saying? To be able to patch up any holes, to be like... All right, so what do we need to do to show that that left eye is about to kind of like go all the way left? Yeah. Like, oh, we're gonna throw in a boyfriend named Larry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that is it's that common of a trope. And the, the interesting thing, I was trying to figure out how like shit, Diana Ross. I just thought about that, but yeah, yeah, like how I felt about this. And it's interesting how you know. Also, if you think about the way we talked in the uh, from Bessie to Beyonce mm-hmm. uh, episode about how people often. Um, associate more of the genius and the success to these to the men in these yeah, situations yeah. you know and they doubt the true like talent and uh, I think capabilities yes um, of you know the women who have the you know the the, the talent and I yeah guess, in their eyes the product yeah but there's little um, there's little attention paid to how predatory that is yep. like you know like it's clear that these it's clear that these men in in certain situations and it, mind you you know they obviously have in a lot of cases have been there mm-hmm. uh, from an early age but it's still predatory yeah. to say you know I see this thing in this person who I'm connected to mm-hmm. let me drive them into the ground to yeah. get it out of them yep. to get something yep. you know mm-hmm. um, under this umbrella of or this banner of I'm trying to make you the best that I can be that's yeah. those weren't the words said in the documentary or you know in things we've read about like all of the women <laughs> we just named <laughs> yeah. but that's that's a lot of how they try to hint like you yeah. think about Joe like you know he was like oh I'm whipping y'all to get y'all in shape you know in terms yeah. of like the, the Jackson 5 with yeah. Michael and all them mm-hmm. but like they're clearly more selfish intentions yes <laughs> He, around you know you, th- you think even just about just just take joe out for yeah. a second this motherfucker ike oh exactly will. yeah ike if you will shit but yeah this motherfucker joe jackson still can afford fucking at 87 viagra and hose <laughs> do you know what i'm saying to be able to even have all the strokes he was just having like because he's living off his kids that yeah. that fucking series it's like it's crazy that there is more attention paid to to that yeah. You know, to the predatory nature of that. Like, yeah. And also, the you know, that being a clear uh, marker of, of abuse. Now, obviously, I don't know what happened with, you know, like Beyonce yeah, and like Serena. And them, but, in there, I mean, it's it's not a not it's, it's a clear trend in a lot of those cases that yeah. th- there was abuse happening. Obviously, we, we you know, saw it. He mm-hmm. copped to it directly. Yeah. In, chill. And, <laughs> yeah. In this documentary, I, everybody, you know, like yeah. that was understood it well, is abuse in some sense. yeah well even if even when we talk about beyonce there's a like you know she, she don't seem like she even speak to her daddy do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like to um to be that's part of the reason why i find her stories would find her so interesting is that like yeah there's that whole obviously like, obviously her father recognized that she was talented very young and got her and her friends or whatever on a program very young but to see her reach a certain age and kind of cut that tie yeah. and um and be running her own career is very interesting to me but yeah there's a there's there's obviously something you know you, you, you I read 
the issue of Ebony Bettina on the cover. Like, regardless of, I don't know anything about, you know, abuse physically with Matthew Knowles, and I, you know, I don't want to put any words in anybody's mouth, but he was a clear emotional abuser. Mm-hmm. And I could definitely see how that is something that also, you know, had like, played, a, played, played into the mix. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, diff- there's many different types. Yes. You know, yeah. uh, of ways that abuse can manifest itself. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's just deep. Like, that's deep to think back you know, so consistently about like about that. And that that's still like a running theme. And the questions that we still ask ourselves are, you know, well, Beyonce needs somebody, you know, well, this person needs somebody. Yeah. Like because they they don't have it themselves. And we're not we're not ans- we're not asking ourselves those same questions. Yeah. Uh, of the men in these scenarios. No. Nope. Like, but uh, when you talk about uh, the abusive, uh, the abusive relationship. I had mentioned before when I was like I think in a different episode, the sex ed episode, we talked about cycles of abuse, and I learned when I was volunteering that uh, like it took me years after I was in a relationship and I was much younger, where somebody used to say the craziest shit to me. I didn't realize it was verbal abuse until I was like twenty five, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, it's not normal for somebody to tell you that, like, no one's ever gonna love you. Like that's not normal, but like that when you know obviously. I had a very different experience than Nina Simone. Yeah. But I can only imagine, like, what it does to your brain to realize that you were in a space where all of this crazy shit was okay. Yeah. It's like, I can't even describe to you what it's like to realize all of a sudden that you don't have to do that. Yeah. Or that, or that you didn't even really know that you were there. And then you also wonder, like, well, am I still there now? Like, what's happening? You know what I mean? It's like, I can only imagine when you talk about her going to Liberia, what it did to be away from him and to real like to, to like you say sit and not just process and be angry but just also to be like not just angry at him but also be like how the f- like how the fuck did i get here and yeah. like what the f- like what while i was like yeah, it's great that i have you know i can i can travel and i can sell out you know tours and i can you know sell all these albums and people love my music and but like how the fuck did i lose my own shit in this whole and like what is like, to who, such a degree right and who even am I because I can yeah. only imagine after decades of that after decades of, of all of that I and that being only so imagine. closely tied to your success exactly exactly to know that you wouldn't have your daughter or this house in Mount Vernon or the, or the staff or any of that organization or that that um that initial push that you needed to get your career through to be able to know that all of that is a lot of that may have been impossible without this person who killed you basically like i don't even know i don't even know what that the fact that she was actually even still able to like perform and like produce stuff after that blows my mind completely it's that and that also just even speaks to you know it speaks to the nature of genius in and of itself that it can survive yeah all of that do you know what i'm saying and still seep through at every single point yeah, and it was still so effortless, you know, yeah. for her. Like she, I mean, her her performance, like Car- uh, Carla was telling me, basically, she was like, she always just looks like she's just kind of throwing it out there. Yeah, you know, like there wasn't a lot of even her, like her music was emotive. Yeah, she was she was relatively like calm. Mm-hmm. It was there in what she had created. It was it was there. All the beats were there. Yeah, yeah. I want to come back. I think we should come back to the music. So, yes, I do want to come back to the music. Protest music, man. And you, you touched on this before. You know, like nobody, no, there's no contemporary uh, in terms for mm-hmm. the the content and the quality quality and consistency. Yeah. Like there is no 
she didn't have a contemporary. Mm-mm. No, <laughs> no, not then. No, and there is not one now. No, um, it's even when we talk about back then. They were like, like they mentioned in the New York article, like she started after Sammy Davis Jr. and Harry Belafonte. Fine, ten black people, get them together. <laughs> Ask him to name 10 songs from either of them. Yeah. And I think that they're both obviously yeah, supremely talented. Clearly. But like, th- name, name 10 Harry Belafonte songs. Please name <laughs> 10 Sammy Davis Jr. songs. Name, and then name 10 of their protest songs. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Nina is untouched. Yeah. And like, you can, you can rattle them off. And each of them, it's amazing how different and masterful each of them are in terms of the different uh, types of messages that they're communicating yeah. you know like four women is detailing obviously the the different types of uh the different the different types of abuse and the the ways in which women you know have been subjugated to that abuse mm-hmm. over time uh, you can talk about mississippi goddamn which is experiencing an immense amount of like frustration and, and clear disgust which is kind of like yeah. you know and i always fuck with a certain level of like open disgust yeah i'm aware <laughs> yeah. yeah that shit that shit gives me hype but um but yeah she was just pissed off at like the way this is like god damn you know like like this is what i'm subjugated to this this country is built on lies yeah. you know and you have uh you have her even her renditions of you know like strange fruit like yeah. Like being peppered with such clear, like uncomfortable emotion, like the the pitch, mm-hmm. like how she approaches all of her keys, like everyone was different, and like the depth of all those things in its totality is mm-hmm. amazingly impressive and almost overwhelming to a degree. You can dive deep into the protest songs. Yes, exactly. Only the protest songs. Yeah. Even like uh, what is that? Um, Ain't got no. I yeah. got life or whatever, the, yeah. which is uh, from from hair, mm-hmm. which is like you know uh, sung by a bunch of white people in this in this musical or whatever. And like I'm familiar with that version, I'm familiar with that song. But then also like hers is like like they say even in the New York article, which is totally true, that in her hands that song ha- took a completely different yeah. You know what I'm saying? It took on a completely different meaning. It took on new life. It meant something completely different than w- than its original intent. Um, just because it was her singing it like it's rare to see somebody who's um like one of my favorite uh well two of my favorite singers are people who have just supreme interpretation skills so you have aretha and you have sarah vaughn supreme they can take anybody else's piece of music pick it up and then in their hands it's It's just yeah (laughs) yeah i mean exactly exactly (laughs) and um but you know you don't necessarily know of aretha to really be sitting down all the time, you know what I'm saying? Like necessarily writing all her own composing. shit. Composing, <laughs> composing, exactly. And you know, there are people who are great at composing who couldn't interpret anybody else. You know, they can only do their own shit. But Nina, even if you're just looking at protest songs, it's like the way that she imbues the shit that is, you know, the shit that's hers is awesome. But the way that she imbues the shit that isn't hers with her particular flair. Just like it almost like creates like her. It's like she can have a library unto herself. Yeah. It makes it seem like it's all her own. You know, what I mean, it's like, it's like it could be a genre unto itself. Just Nina Simone protest music. And like it, it's also amazing to see someone, you know, I mean, obviously we know what this did to her. But to see someone commit themselves to this degree to to this type of sustained action, mm-hmm. you know, like it was a, it was a sustained action to continuously produce this type of music in spite of what it did to her career, her body, Mm -hmm. her family, Mm -hmm. you know, the people around her even. Um, That's, you know, that is 
impressive is not the right word. It's humbling. Yeah. It's humbling to see someone take that charge and give up everything to, mm-hmm. you know, to continue it and and not stop. But then have a like towards the end of her career, she clearly had a complicated relationship with it because of what it did to her. Yeah. But she couldn't she couldn't release it. She still felt it was valuable. Yeah. She It was clearly worth it for her. Well, sometimes she struggled. But <laughs> sometimes she struggled. Sometimes she struggled. But. Yeah, like that's just it's it's very humbling to see someone do that. Like I think she said she was like all I can do is expose the sickness. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> My that's a mandate. Are raised. That that's is a mandate. That is a mandate. What's like when we when we saw Selma, you know, and yeah. and and uh obviously Nina Simone is a genius the same way that Martin Luther King was you know, uh, he possessed something that I can't I can't put it into words, and it, but I, but you know it's fucking rare, yeah. right? But like even so, at the end of the day, especially like when you when you take in the whole of the documentary, she was a regular person. Do you know what I'm saying? And to obviously like she possessed, you know, not just extraordinary talent, but like we we've said over and over again throughout this episode, genius level talent. She still was somebody who was just as you know, trying to fumble with life shit the same way yeah. the rest of us are. And she still didn't, she didn't let that stop her. Um, even though she ha- possessed so much doubt and insecurity, um, she didn't let that stop her from doing what she needed to do and for, from attempting greatness um, in, in in so many different ways across the board. Yeah. And that part, I, I, like, I was able to step away with and be like, you know, you don't have to just be, you know, you don't have to be, it's that reminder, that reminder that you need that, like, you don't have to be perfect to, yeah. to, to, like, to be present. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just kind of have to, you can show up as you are and and give what it is that you have and what it is that you can do it at, at, at the very best level that you can possibly do it. And, like, that can be enough. That can be more than enough. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing that I think about is, and that's honestly kind of depressing in context, like, uh, looking back at her protest music. You know, looking back at like what she sacrificed to produce that mm-hmm. is in terms of like uh, the results of that sacrifice. There was a there was a quick interview snippet she had with this other like uh, I don't want to speak too ill of this woman. But do you remember that part where she was talking to this very like uh, 80s looking uh like eighties, early nineties looking black woman. She yes. was you know she was a, very she even look. toned. Yes. Uh and she was like So are you happy by the progress we've made? <laughs> and like it was a black woman out, mind you. <laughs> and Nia Small she kinda like cut her eyes to her just ever so slightly. Uh-huh. Not enough to know that like, y'all I'm about to go off on you. Yeah. But just like no. Like she no, was like, basically like bitch. Like asking me these questions. What's what's changed? She was basically like, "What you know? What has really changed?" Mm-hmm. She was like, "I'm." She, I think she said something to the effect of, "I'm still not free." Yes, yes. And that was in the '80s. Mm. And where are we today? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Like, her music is just as impactful and relevant. <laughs> yeah. Today. Yeah. Like that's at one point they said something like they're still shooting people or uh, shit. I had the line written down. I thought I, I thought I had the line written down, uh-huh. but like it's the exact it's the exact same thing. And you know I also think it was interesting. Her uh, the other thing that's that's extremely relevant is 
this the relationship between like nonviolence and and violence and yeah 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 yeah, yeah. she was you know she was a very she was very adamant about like no i'm not nonviolent. i also think that that runs very uh counter to this idea that everything that happened in the civil rights movement was was, like was some nonviolent martin luther king shit no 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 i mean there was a very clear like yeah and (laughs) even the existence of nonviolent nonviolent movement was tactical because we needed we, we needed to have both yeah, you know what I'm saying. In order there to, be to be able a to, balance, there needed to be a balance. Yeah, you needed you needed you know Stokely to make them negotiate with Martin. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, like that's just overall. It's like it's it's really depressing how relevant her music still is. I wish we could, I wish we could listen to it with a bit more distance. Yeah, yeah, but I don't I don't even know when. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know when that yeah. day is coming. And it, you know, it speaks to. Her clear, like, lack of hope or acceptance, you know, she just yeah. was like, this is kind of what it is. I'm still, you know, I'm still struggling to a degree. I'm still, uh, still not free. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, she's pushing through it. And that's, I think that's what, I think that's what, how a lot of people, actually, you know what this makes, I think that's how a lot of people feel. But you know what this makes me think of? What? The, a lot of the criticism of, uh, uh, between me and the world, you know, people saying that, like, there was no oh, real hope. Yeah. And, and there was an actually another thing. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of people, like, actually in post bougie, they uh-huh. were talking about that NPR episode about um, integration of schools. Oh my god! By um, uh, Nicole Hannah Jones. Yeah, yeah, she's and great. Yeah, that was good. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. And you know, basically, they were talking about this notion of like, there's all like people are we're always. People are always trying to push us to have, like, to profess our hope yeah. for this change. And as if they're surprised that we have little. Well, that's the thing that blows my mind is that, is that you would, okay, so ta Coates, my man been on the race beat. For a long time. <laughs> for, for a long time, right? Not only has he been on the race beat, black man married to a black woman living in this black ass city. Yeah. Well, to some degree, urban urban area, right? And he's got a black son who's in his teens, right? And he's not just been on the beat for a long time, so he's fatigued, but he's also been he's he's a natural born researcher. Yeah. I he'd probably would say different, but the type of curiosity that man possesses, it's like um yeah, it can be fed, but you also have to be born with it, right? Yeah. And so he's a natural born researcher and he has been he's looked critically at American history since at the very least 1860 right yeah. up through the present so like he and and he has not just you know an amazing mind but he has the support of this gigantic institution in the Atlantic yeah. which allows you access to any document you know what I'm saying to any record whatsoever so he has the mind he has the resources he has the backing um, he also has this gigantic platform to be able to have dialogue. He's smart enough to have dialogue with people who may have more specific areas of knowledge than he does, right? Yeah. So he's got all of these things working in his favor to be able to give him this, uh, you know, amazingly nuanced look at at what race is like in America yeah. in 2015. And at what, the true dynamics of our country, exactly. And so he knows all the shit. And at the end, and so not only not only it, it pisses me off because not only do you, um. Like just at the most base level, you think he done all this research and like you and then and then on and then and then you expect him to look at all those facts and then have hope. But also, he's produced this work of greatness, and you expect him to assuage your discomfort by having hope and professing that he still has it. It's like so he's done this great work. It's almost like a Kanye level thing, right? Yeah. Where it's like you've done. I've done this work to show you what you are, right? Yeah. 
I've done this great work and then you don't want me to you but you want me to contradict that by saying that like for any fucking reason that I still have hope. Yeah. That's so fucked up. It's basically like you want me to support your own hope and wish that you can change. Yes. Well, you know what, though? When you talk about assuaging people's fears, and this is like uh, this is like a, another left turn, um, that also has to do with Nina, but also has to do with, this is a conversation I had with Lolo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give Lolo some credit because Lolo actually was like bouncing this to me like, y'all should talk about this on the show. But um, but this is in like, you know, I, you, you should talk to him about it in general. But um, there's this j- jazz guy who's out in Kamasi, Washington. Mm-hmm. And I don't know too much specifically about that thread of the story, but he's, um, he. I know that he, I, I watched his live at uh, NPR, like live at Washington or whatever the fuck, like Jazz Night in America or whatever. Yeah. It's like a two hour thing. He has this awesome album. Everybody's fucking on it. You see like fucking 25 people. It's like a Wu-Tang concert, right? <laughs> like 25 people on the stage yeah. and like it starts off with cacophony and then it just goes into two hours of just like it almost feels like a jam but you know that the shit is so well orchestrated yeah. um, and he's a big guy he's sizable and he's not and he's proud right and he's released this amazing contemporary jazz album he's touring it all, like throughout America now and, and, and throughout the rest of the world in the fall um, and people I think in the jazz world seem to be like bristling at the way that he's handling his success and uh, people re- have responded to kind of like ta in the yeah. same way like I've created this work of greatness and and like that that t- is telling you the truth about yourself which me and the truth is that I have no reason to be hopeful but you still want me to be hopeful and make you feel comfortable and then also with Serena yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where Serena right now is is this woman who people don't want. She's black when people don't want her. To, like the people are struggling so much again. Which she should be America's sweetheart, like Lauren Hill, yeah. or like or like Anita. Some you know what I'm saying? This or or like a Beyonce or or whoever should be um you know one of America's most treasured talents. Whether it's you know talent of you know natural genius or natural aptitude or sheer force of fucking greatness. Will, yeah. Will exactly <laughs> right. Um. But people are struggling with giving that mantle over to this person because of what, you know, what, what does that say? Because what does that say about if black is great? What does that say about me? Yeah. And, um, you know, or if America is terrible, what does that say about me? If I if you can be proud, if you can be genius level or if you can be great, but you can also be black and you can also be proud. What does that say about me? And it's like Nina did this. You know what I'm saying? Nina did, it is the same thing. It's like she's. So when she was just like in Carnegie Hall playing this classical music, everybody was like, oh, we love Nina. It's great. But like when she was like still at that level of greatness, her talent is is growing still. Right. Yeah. And her genius is growing still. Um, we're not growing, but it, it, her ability to translate it is growing. And yeah. additionally, she's telling she's exposing the sickness. She's telling the truth about us. Right. Yeah. And like she's doing that. But like. You still can't say that she's not. You, you still can't say that she's great because of what that says about you. Yeah. It's like. That's like the classic. That's like the classic Black American. It's like Muhammad Ali. It's like name any Black motherfucker Six, like, who's the best at yeah. what the fuck they do. And that's that's the situation that they that they end up in. Yeah. You know? And you know, I don't even think it's a lot more that needs to be said. <laughs> to, be, to be sure, you know, like honestly, yeah. we could talk about this. We can go back and forth. Yeah. And it's, you know, you can connect it to, like you said, to every to every narrative of our success and genius. You know, but that's just what it is. I yeah. think you know. All I can do is expose the sickness. Yeah. That's all I got. That's all I got. So, uh. Thank you for listening for Color Nerds this week. (laughs) Thank you for listening for Color Nerds. Uh, you know, we'll obviously be back in two weeks. Follow us on, uh, on. On Twitter, follow us on or like us on Facebook. <laughs> you, you remember that? We on social media. We <laughs> out here for color nerds. Yeah, everywhere. Uh, subscribe and review. Yeah, subscribe, rate, review, tell everybody that you know, and you know, just like 
keep doing you. Don't don't let the man tell you that you can't be great and tell exactly. them about themselves. And self care. Self care, yeah. All right, y'all. All right, we're out. There's more than one recording of Nina Simone singing Mississippi Goddamn. There's one, there's two in particular that I like, one in 1964 and one in 1968. The song came out in 1964. I think she's performing it at Carnegie Hall. And she has such pep and such energy. But she's performing with such pep and such energy because it's clever. And she's in 1964 and she doesn't know that 65, 66, 67, and 68 are coming, right? You can hear a different version in 1968. I don't know where she recorded it, but she also had an audience. I remember realizing right around August when I was keeping up with Ferguson that she was fatigued and you could hear it in her voice and it was right after Martin Luther King died she said the king is dead the king of love is dead it just hits you because you know we grew up going to school learning about Martin Luther King and, and that he died you know what I mean and he's it's one of the few they give us and, and my whole life he's been dead your whole life he's been dead but this is somebody that she knew you know what I'm saying and this is somebody who was in the middle of something that was happening and on some level she probably knew that he was going to have to go away but like she didn't think it was going to happen that way. And she didn't think it was going to happen then. Do you know what I'm saying? That was her friend. And so to kind of hear her with four more years of this shit on her, four more years and how bedraggled she sounds. I used to wonder what it took to get to that point. And now I guess I feel like I don't have to wonder anymore. You love. And of course, a couple of years ago, Four little girls were killed in Alabama. And at that time, we got the inspiration to do this song. But Dr. King's murder has left me so numb, I don't know where I'm at, really. Of course, you heard this song that was composed by Gene Taylor, especially for today. But I hope that between now and the end of the year, it'll all be together enough that we will have songs that go down in history for these wonderful brave people who are no longer with us Alabama's got me so upset Tennessee made me lose my rest everybody knows about Mississippi God damn Alabama's got me so upset Lurleen Wallace has made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi, God damn Can't you see it? I know you can feel it It's all in the air I can't stand the pressure much longer Somebody say a prayer Alabama has got me so upset And Memphis has made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi, God damn. Hound dogs on my trail 
little school children sitting in jail Black cat crossed my path I think every day's gonna be my last Lord have mercy on this land of mine We all gonna get it in due time Cause I don't belong here I don't belong there I've even stopped believing in prayer about do I've been there so I know you keep on saying go slow well that's just the trouble washing the windows picking the cotton nothing but rotten too damn lazy thinking's crazy Try to do my very best Stand up, be counted with all the rest Cause everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn Now you heard him He's one of you If you have been moved at all And you know my songs at all For God's sakes, join me Don't sit back there The time is too late now. Good God. You know, the king is dead. The king of love is dead. I ain't about to be non-violent, honey. Oh, no. Picket lines, school boycotts. They try to say it's a communist plot But all I want is equality For my sister, my brother, my people and me And I loved him because he believed it He lived by it But you lied to me all the years You told me to wash and clean my ears And talk real fine just like a lady And you stopped calling my mama Aunt Sadie Hear me now But my country is full of lies We all gonna die and die like flies I don't trust nobody anymore Keep on saying go slow That's just the trouble Desegregation Mass participation Unification Do things gradually Next to me, just give me my equality. 
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.